Devin Klein is the co-founder of Burn Boot Camp, an organization that he took from a $600 parking lot venture to a $500 million enterprise, 42 states and growing. Welcome, Devin. Hey, what's going on, George? Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, more about your work, why you yeah. do what well, you do. Listen, I'll give you just a quick walk down memory lane. All right. And you tell me if you want me to elaborate, I'll try to do it quickly for everybody, you know, just to get to know me a little bit. I grew up in Battle Creek, Michigan. Um, you know, it's a little corner of Southwest Michigan and, uh, my father, my mother, they were like, you know, firecrackers in a bucket. Like it was a crazy chaotic upbringing, you know, full of drugs and alcohol abuse and fighting and, you know, you name it, just give you an example. But by the time I was 18, you know, I know of at least 50 plus criminal charges that were filed against both of them. So it's that kind of, kind of upbringing, uh, which, which, you know, I wouldn't change for the world. I love my parents. I'll thank them for everything they did good, but in everything that um, they didn't do so well, that made me who I am. Cause I think it's both sides. And because of that, I, I escaped to the baseball field, to the basketball court and you know, around around when I was 12 years old, I also met Morgan, who's my wife, who runs Burn Boot Camp with me today. We're a 385 uh, 85 location uh, fitness franchise out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and we inspire and power and transform lives through community based fitness. And so, my wife and I had known each other since we were 12. You know, between her and escaping to the baseball field were my two outlets. Uh, I found entrepreneurship. Uh, I didn't know what the word meant by any means, but you know, when you're yeah, either you, you build a business out of desperation or inspiration, right? For me, not having money, being on welfare, you know, having to stomach not being able to go through the normal lunch line at school, but having to go through the, you know, the welfare lunch line where you couldn't get the chocolate milk. That was the biggest difference. And I wanted the damn chocolate milk. So I started uh, a little snow shoveling business, 20 minute snow removal, where I'd Get, I mean, a couple of buddies, I'd knock on doors, cold selling, and they'd come behind, clean it up. We'd split the money three ways. Did that for a few years, saved up enough to buy a car, bought a car. Uh, and then I found a little website called eBay. And I did, I car flipped and did arbitrage there for the next two or three years until I finally set, you know, business down to go play uh, sports. I played Central Michigan University for three seasons, got picked up by the San Francisco Giants to play some professional baseball. And after that, got released, figured, hey, I want to do something that I love for the rest of my life that helps people. I also wanted to be wealthy. I also wanted to break the chain, if you will, and, you know, not end up broke, right, and disgruntled and bitter and resentful like my dad and his brothers and everyone generationally around me. And so that was really important for me to uh, to chase chase what i loved and what i was passionate about i wanted to do it through helping people and burn boot camp was born we can get into the story and this was in 2012 burn was born we can get into the story deeper for sure i won't i won't go on too much in the initial initial question here but that's a little bit of just a kind of a backdrop and we can stop anywhere along that journey and go as deep as you want i, I appreciate that that's that's well done you said firecrackers in a bucket i kind of thought oh you know, they're just feisty people, but turns out they really are. They really were firecrackers in a bucket. So I appreciate that. Sorry. Sorry about that, man. Um, and no chocolate milk. Do you still do you do you love chocolate milk? Did you just have some a minute ago? Because now you could afford it. 
Uh, well, we have afterburn uh, whey chocolate protein. So that's my that's my chocolate milk. I turned it into a company. It tastes like chocolate milk. But you know how it is. Like, I'm sure you have those experiences when you're a kid, right? And it's insignificant now that we're adults. But when you're a kid and you get made fun of for something like that, it's like, move that like sticks out. It's an embossment in your brain. And that experience means a lot in that moment. And, you know, for some reason to me in my, as I backtrack my story, that was I can remember that day vividly at Prairie View High School or Prairie View Elementary School, and I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, I was really embarrassed. These things stick with us for sure. I, yeah. I know I can point to probably lots of stuff that's just always been there for better or for worse. Um, you strike me as a really, really positive, energetic guy. Is that your natural state or is that something you work at? No, that's definitely my natural state. I mean, people... You know, that's one of the best compliments I can get. And one of the most frequent ones is, hey, anytime I'm around you, there's like energy and you're always positive and optimistic. And I I really feed off of you when I'm around you. And, you know, that to me was as a natural gifting. I think for me to be a professional baseball player, I wasn't talented enough, George. I didn't have the 97 mile an hour arm. I wasn't six foot four with huge hands. That really matters in baseball. My wingspan wasn't seven foot. You know what I did, man? I just outworked everyone. And, and I was a great teammate. I was a great leader. I was always the first one to show up for practice, finish first in drills, you know, pull the guys along, be the guy, you know, rooting for the next guy no matter what. And also the guy holding other guys accountable when they were acting out of alignment with the championship culture that our team was going after. Right. If we we're going to, if I, any team I was on, I always brought. I was always the leader. And I think that's why looking back, I was on a lot of championship teams because I was a good enough player to get the respect from the other players. One of the best ones always, but never the best, but always brought the team together. And I think that's the one thing I bring into the business world is just those years of wanting it so damn bad, covering every possible, uncovering every possible element of the sport that I could in order to build up my resume so that coaches, so that players would look at me as a leader. And so, yeah, I was, I was that guy. And then once people start recognizing you for something and giving me that positive feedback loop, then you get super intentional about it. Right. So even when I'm at my lowest moments, even when I'm in the back of my own head and I'm thinking about like, you know, my daughter just got sick at school and like, that's, I got to go in two hours, you know, I got this thing, I got to reschedule it. And I'm in the middle of a conversation with somebody else. I kind of compartmentalize that and just lock in and make them feel really special and important and admired. And, you know, I think that's, I have a theory that most people have that sign around their chest that says, Hey, I want to be important and special and admired. And if I let my own personal life get in the way of that at all, or interrupt that energy, then I'm not making the person on the other side of that conversation better. And I'm obsessed with that outcome. Every, like even this interaction, we're meeting for the first time. I hope that both of us walk away from this being a better human being, just having a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more insight, meeting a new friend, having another perspective to lean on. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's what I mean by intentionality is you have it naturally, but never let it lapse. Not even for a second. You don't get to do that. You're, you have too much responsibility that you've chosen. You've chosen the responsibility. So Handle it with care. Amen. You talked about how how dad, uncles, cousins, and I wrote down stuck in generational cycles. And in that example, it sounds like those are bad ones. 
you broke out of it. How do you think about that with your work now? That's a great question. I, well, I think about breaking that chain as something that's, it, you can't just, for those of you out there who have had something similar to this, right? And there's a lot of us that it's, you, you've got to be the one that doesn't, you can't just break the chain by like doing things a little bit differently or just moving up a station, right? Like you've got to radically break the chain. I mean, like you've got to hacksaw, you got to use the bolt cutters and, and then <laughs> deteriorate it, put it in salt water, do whatever, like, like the chain needs to evaporate, not just break. And so for me, that was always um, manifest in like not abusing substances. And like, even as, you know, like we just come off the generation where like my dad, it was okay for my dad to like take a belt to his ass. And then, right. And then for my dad's generation, it was kind of not, it was kind of frowned upon. Right. But like still in elementary school, my principal still had a paddle. I don't think she was using it, but she still had it. Right. And so it was like phasing out. And like nowadays, like, you know, I look at that and I'm like, I can't, it's not, my standard can't be to not physically abuse my child. Right. That's ridiculous. My standard is to make sure that that my child is in a position to help other people evaporate their chain as they grow older. It's not, it's not just one station away. It's light years away and jumping, you know, that's how I think about it. And so that's how I think about business too. So you can't just, you got to something that's not working and you keep banging your head over and over and over for months, years, and all of a sudden you, you're bleeding from your forehead and you're asking yourself, why do I have a headache? Why am I bleeding? Well, it's because you're just incrementally trying to change. You're incrementally trying to you strategize your way out of a bad situation. You've got to blow that situation up and you've got to completely evaporate it and almost start from scratch. And so that's kind of how it's translated for me, from my personal life to my business life, which is an interesting connection because I've never really thought about it that way until you asked the question. Yeah. Well, and thank you for sharing that. I just, I, I work in personal finance. And so I am very well aware that there's generational poverty and it just goes over and over and over again. And I'm sure that that's also true for our physical health. And when I'm thinking about the work that you're doing, you're helping women to become stronger and transform and empower them and their families and create confidence and happiness and discipline and all those kinds of things. It's not dissimilar from the work that I'm trying to do. That's just, it's not easy. Otherwise, people would do it more. Yeah, the discipline, the consistency, the persistency that you apply to a business or, you know, a career advancement, it's the same one you apply to your health. You know, you think about it this way. This is may maybe a good way to think about it, at least the way that I think about it, is that you have eight kind of areas to your life. And each one of these areas, you do something every single day, a little something every day that's a deposit in one of these areas. Like it's your body, it's your it's your mind, it's your spirit, it's your emotion, it's your relationships, it, it's your time, it's your work, and it's your money. And these things all have a separate definition. And Nobody, like I always say this, nobody wants to be the suicidal billionaire. Like you don't want to pour so much into the money bucket or the work bucket that you leave your body behind. You neglect your spirit that, you know, you become so mentally engaged with making money that you become bitter and resentful toward humanity. And, and, and you stop making deposits into the bank that really matters, which is the memory bank, the experience bank with you and your family. 
and everything is all about how do I acquire green paper? So just, it's not a balancing act. I think it's a act of harmony. It's an act of how do I integrate my day so that there's at least one thing that I'm intentionally doing every day, consistently over and over something that's repeatable that I can do every day. And I think it starts with body. I think it starts with moving your body, emotion and motion are so closely correlated that if I can get up in the morning and the first thing that I can do is set my body in motion, the one thing I don't want to do, the hardest thing that I'm probably going to do all day. Well, then in all those other seven areas, if that's my one thing for my body, I wake up and I move. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be a burn boot camp, 45 minute workout. It can go, it can be a five minute jog. If that's where you're at, it can be 25 pushups. If that's where you're at, where you're starting and let that momentum build. Cause it will spill over into all seven of those other areas in your life. As long as you're intentional about allowing it to, and from each kind of piece of the pie to the next, there's an open doorway, you know, where, Hey, my intention behind anchoring my life and my workouts is not to become some shredded physically fit person who's chasing a six pack and a bikini body, right? It's, it's so that I can become a person who does hard things. And if I can do hard things, I build my character. If I could build my character, I build my personality. Now my reputation is somebody, uh, you know, that does hard things. That's kind of the way I think about it. Yeah, no, I think that that's great. And we have gotten so far out of our bodies and just, we're just like neck up now. We're just in our heads so much that I think that, yes, doing I, that's what I do first thing in the morning is I need to move my body and get my butt moving for a lot of reasons, what you've just described really well. And if I wait till the end of the day to move my body, the odds of me doing it are a lot less. Um, I imagine that you have wonderful data and I have to imagine that one of the, one of the challenges and opportunities to get people to consistently come to boot camp. What has, what has worked in getting people to get their butt out of bed and get in there? So I'm going to tell you what I, what I believe to be the catalyst around our, our success. Um, and, and we saw this through the pandemic as everyone's kind of isolating into their homes, you know, fitness companies start talking about, well, maybe the future of fitness is just people in their homes. Cause that was the closest current environment. And if we think about it that way, it would be the world's biggest upset to have that be true. Given the thousands and thousands of years of tribalism, communalism, that has shaped who we are. Like we need each other to survive. And, you know, what's the number one form of human punishment outside of the death sentence is isolation and solitude. And so there's this built-in innate factor, communal factor. And so what we did with Burn Bootcamp is we took personal trainers such as myself. I've done 15,000 of our sessions. You know, we have about 2000 trainers in our organization now that are running our camps every day. And what we did is we took the best of the best and we gave them a place that had uh, values, that had a jersey on their chest that they were proud of, that gave them cre creative freedom and autonomy, that um, uh, imaginative, creative, artist type of trainer. That's like, we're kind of like that. We're more like artists than we are like engineers. And you give the freedom and you give the creativity. Well, now you have this desired place where the best of the best can come. And we make them personal trainers to teach them how to be personal trainers in a group setting. So that trainer has an individual relationship 
with all 300, 400, 500 onward to our largest gym has over 800 members. They now become that, that's that hub, that connection to all of the different members and then the community facilitator amongst them. And once you get like-minded people in the room who have the same values, we work hard at Bird. Like we used to have the MO of like, hey, it's a fit community of like moms and women and their families. Like it's kind of soft and maybe it's, you know, not too hard. Maybe it's like a stroller stride. There's nothing against them, but you're not going to change your, you're not going to transform your body there. It's a good segue program into some more intense training. We get after it, George, like flat out, you know? And so that collective suffering, the collective difficulty really bonds people. And then, you know, you bring a a, a group of women together who want to build each other up rather than b- break each other down and invite their families, their children, their husbands, their boyfriends, their girlfriends to come in and to experience that with them. It's sticky where we have a very sticky culture and uh, it's community is the answer to your question. As simple as it is, it's community. Yeah. Well, that makes all sense in the world to me, you know, I need a hand up and I need a kick in the butt every so often. And uh, I can't do those things on my own. So having those people around me and having the place to go and knowing what I can expect and giving these trainers the autonomy and freedom to express themselves and to connect and make it fun while kicking their butts, I think is a recipe. And obviously, obviously it's working. Just one quick point on that too, because a lot of time, and this is a Starbucks model. If you think about it, meanwhile, as you take a sip from yours, the think about the barista, you have a Starbucks that you normally go to. That's like maybe your go-to and they may or may not know you, but I've been in situations where the barista knows the customers that are coming in. And when George walks in, they know George wants an extra pump of this or, uh, you know, this specific order, that order might not be on the menu right? It might not be on the menu. It's not that the barista is so creative and autonomous where they're just going off the rails and doing something outside of the brand, you know, and trying to make some random drink. They're modifying what we call modifying off the baseline. They're modifying off the baseline of the menu to meet you where you're at as a customer. And that's exactly what we do with our members. Our trainers, they're given that creative autonomy to modify up or down off the baseline to treat George like George, right? To not treat George like Devin because they have two different needs. They might be good looking, handsome bros with cool hair, but they also have different needs. You know what I mean? And so the trainers treat you that way. And that's the autonomy that I think actually that's the autonomy. It's so counterintuitive that actually keeps the community together in the long run, right? Rather than trying to micromanage everyone and make everyone like cookie cutter robot trainers, They actually adhere to the baseline, to the menu more because of the freedom that they're given. There's a duplicate. There's a two-way respect there. You know what I'm saying? I love it. It makes a ton of sense. Beautiful. Well, Devin, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Where can can people learn more about you? How can they engage? There's opportunities for you're in 42 states and there's still eight more to go. So there's opportunities if you're interested in going into business and having the opportunity to partner with Devin and the amazing team. And then obviously, if you're interested in, in, in taking advantage of what he's been talking about in the community and getting even in better shape or getting back in shape wherever you are at, how do people do that? Uh, so if you are not near burn, download the burn bootcamp app, we have burn on demand and you can work out with us from anywhere in the U S and as long as you have U S membership, you can work out anywhere in the world. 
Um, then, or one of the burn bootcamp gyms, as you mentioned, if you guys want to know more about me, uh, my YouTube channel is business oriented. And then my Instagram channel like blends everything together. So one of those two places and shoot me a DM, uh, comment. I'll be happy to connect and get to know you and, and go deep. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Devin your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Get the Burn On Demand app. Check out Devin's YouTube channel for business thoughts and advice, stuff like that. Find him on Instagram where he deals with a little bit of everything. And I will certainly link all those different places in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Devin. Hey, thanks, George. Appreciate you, man. Till next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.